0: Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode seven of Recovered AF. Uh, my name is Aaron, and I am a co-host, and the other person is Kyle, and now he's going to say something.
1: Yeah, how's it going? Uh, we are not affiliated in any way at all with any 12-step organization. Uh, like we always say, we're just a couple of dudes sharing our experience about the work and whatever comes up during the hour or so that we're talking. Uh, and we've got a guest today that Aaron's going to introduce. Thanks.
0: Yeah, we've got a guest today, and um, his name is Ryan, and he can lift heavy things. What's up, Ryan? Hey, guys. How's it going?
2: <laughs> it's going well. <laughs> mm, it's always nice and awkward at the beginning, huh? That was a really nice introduction. Though. I, I appreciate that.
0: Well, I think, you know, like, if, we were, if it was, like, a YouTube thing and people could see you, they'd probably, like, want me to ask, do you even lift, bro? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Only on Saturdays. Okay. I, I was gonna go the other way and say if I had a nickname for you, it would be beefcakes. So <laughs>
2: I'm not sure I like that one. <laughs> to <gonna> stick.
1: Beefcakes. <laughs> it is. Beefcakes and Kunu. Yeah.
0: Okay, that works. But you might want to consider working out. I mean, what <laughs> would you do if something heavy fell on a family member? You like right now, just looking at you. Like if it was a small car, like a like a Volkswagen Rabbit or a Bug, you might be able to lift it off them. But what if a full-size vehicle fell off on somebody that you cared about and loved? You'd never be able to get it off of them.
2: I would do my best. And my response to that would be, you should eat a carbohydrate or two every now and then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that shit will kill you. <laughs> so anyway. Um, so... So yeah, Ryan's a, Ryan's a, Ryan's in a, one of our one or more of our twelve-step programs that we're not affiliated with, and uh, maybe I was thinking where we could start was like um, your your story is sort of similar to mine, I think, in that there's been some some ins and outs with varied varied degrees of success and longevity. Is that is that pretty correct? Yeah, I
2: think we have a lot in common when it comes to that what um
0: what what was your f- first time like how how you said that it was one of those things where you were just like you were just focused on meth is that right is that the first one you're like I'm just I just got a problem with this meth and if I just stop doing this meth and that's gonna be all right is that what it was
2: yeah my my first introduction was through uh, a treatment center of course, and, and Uh, I came into there with a lot of trouble, a lot of uh, outside circumstances hanging over my head. And uh, due to um, my meth addiction of a couple years and chose to completely ignore years of proof that I'm also a full-blown alcoholic um, and only address one issue with, with a plan. I had a good plan. Uh, afterwards to be able to
1: drink like a air quotes normal person so you were gonna kick the meth habit and drink normally that was the game plan that was the game plan how'd that go
2: Uh, i did did not turn out uh good at all
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, just one thing i was going to tell you too like since we're not affiliated with any 12-step groups um like we were talking about this yesterday when we were talking about that non-affiliation, that there are guidelines that that um, that are, that we use to follow in in our meeting formats that are that are for the the good of the fellowship as a whole. But since we're not affiliated with anything, um, those things don't really apply to our podcast. So we're free to talk about anything. Whereas if you know, as I'm meeting, the primarily talked about alcohol. For those people that don't know, um, you know, I wouldn't really. A re- reference in a general way my drug use whereas you know on a on this podcast not being a affiliated with any 12-step program or speak for any 12-step program i can freely talk about being a junkie yeah. so just so you know like the things the parameters that normally exist for us for the good of the fellowship as a whole we don't really have to do that
2: i can get down with that okay um
1: so <clears throat> so what happened after you tried drinking regularly like, you, that plan obviously failed. And I know you discussed when I, I heard you speak just a little while ago, and you were discussing you're quite the plan maker. Uh, so what, what happened with your plan? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, well, I mean, my experience is that this has been a progressive type of a situation throughout my life. And so <clears throat> my I, I actually worked at the treatment center that I graduated from. Um, so I was I was treatment guy during the day, and then I was um, like tooth and nail manage my drinking at night, mm-hmm. and uh, it worked. Actually, it air quotes again it worked for a few years. Like I was able to scientifically figure out how much I could drink every single night, mm-hmm. uh, and and the drugs that I could intake every single night in order to not appear to be Uh, hurting the next day that guy (laughs) the next day at the treatment center that I was working at so um it was a battle of course Mm -hmm. to uh, operate that way Mm -hmm. and I lost the battle eventually in the end after a few years so
1: yeah and then you were reintroduced to a treatment center or just a meeting or what happened then
2: no actually um after quite a bit of pain and suffering and misery um <clears throat> and one um moment of clarity i guess you could say uh, i went straight into 12 step fellowship mm-hmm. gotcha. um, without treatment and actually had a pretty awesome experience with that
1: and is that where you we reference um our our mutual friend as our mutual friend is that where you met
2: yeah Yeah, he was my first sponsor, and I was his first sponsee.
1: Correct, and then a few years later, when I got sober, I actually started working with the same guy that you worked with, which is so our mutual friend has actually kind of put all three of us in contact in one way or the other, which is kind of cool, and we're going to continue to refer to him as our mutual friend until he gets on the podcast.
2: Right. (laughs) There's actually a cool story behind that. Tell it. Um. So I came straight back into, to (laughs) let us have it. (laughs) Here you go. Uh, I came straight back into AA and, uh, or a 12 step fellowship. You're all right. Which happened to be AA at that point. Um, and, uh, I walked into a meeting at an old club, uh, here in, uh, in town and, and, uh, our our mutual friend was sitting in a corner, and <laughs> he's gonna love this one. <laughs> and, uh, um, I was a hurting unit, so I I, I wasn't uh, playing the story out in my head so bad. But uh, he he remembered vividly a time that we really didn't get along in the past because we had gone to school with each other, and and uh, he did not care for me so much. Um, and so anyway, so I ended up calling because i I had just moved back from uh another location where i was i had a lot of friends in fellowships and so i I called a friend of mine back in in well Denver, mm-hmm. and um i said man i'm I'm hurting you, and I need somebody who's actually really doing you know I need a good sponsor who's into the book and and so he ended up calling uh a friend of his who called a friend of his in uh, Loveland, Colorado, who got a number of a guy for me to call. Um, and I called the number and it was our mutual friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And you guys, you, um, I, I'm pretty sure you guys hammered through the work, right? It wasn't like a year long process of uh, exploring the work. You, you got into it pretty quick, right? I started sponsoring guys I think somewhere between 60 and 70 days sober. Mm-hmm. And you had completed all 12 steps within that yeah. time period. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just gonna say, I remember, cause this was, <clears throat> let's see my, you know, I talked about in my story how I'd made a like, real attempt at sobriety in 2012 and had a sponsor and gone through the work and done all those things. But I remember right when I had gotten out of that treatment center, I was sitting to one of our meetings and, uh, and it was, um, unfocused. I guess we should this is probably the way to put it. Like there was a topic picked and then not discussed, and I don't know. I just was really, uh, I, was, I was. I mean, I was brand new out of the treatment center, and I was still like, whoa, whoa, you know, crazy guy and all of those things. And then, uh, and and they went around, and then uh, you just happened to be in that meeting, and you were d- you were d- doing a, like a service announcement there. You were there to announce some some sort of a seeking help for service or something. And uh, it got around to you, and uh, there was just a different aura that in which you presented yourself. You were just very calm. You were very peaceful. You um, were articulating your experience very well and in a very focused way. And, like, it's an almost embarrassing to think about now, but I remember, like, I was, like, my turn to talk or something, and I was like, I don't know anything. I don't know, but that that guy's talking about the solution. I can hear it when I see it, and that guy's talking about it, and that gives me hope, and, like, I went and followed you outside, and I remember talking about, like, I remember having this conversation with you outside, and I was like, boy, they really want me to do these steps really fast, and da-da-da, and I feel like I'm just going through at a breakneck speed. They wanted us to do five of them when we were in treatment, and you're like, yeah, I did, um, I did all of them in about... I don't know, like thirty-six days. Maybe that wasn't it. That's how I remember it. Something along those lines. In a, in, you know, in a matter of weeks, right? Not in, not in a matter of a lifetime. In a matter of weeks, and I was like, it really helped me. I was like, oh, okay. Because if this calm person had done this work and they've gone through it quickly, then then it's okay. Because you were the only one that seemed to be making sense. I think that my. Um, I had been opened up to that message, probably by what I would, you know, consider God to open me up to a very specific message, and you were carrying that. And so, you know, I don't know. Like, I came in contact with you not too long after that, and it was, uh, it was just one of those things that changed who I was. And that's how I started running with you and our mutual friend, because mm-hmm. you were like, you know, willing to meet me at meetings, and you guys were taking a meeting into a treatment center. And so, yeah, that's how I got hooked up with. Our mutual friend who shall rename... What's through Ryan? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's right. That's how it happened.
1: That's cool. Yeah. And then um, you guys, and I don't know this either, so that's why I'm asking. You guys started a a group here. Is that right? The three of you, or was it more just...
0: It was was those two and our other mutual friend who we have scheduled for May to be on the show, but she shall also rename... Main, nameless until then but yeah he, he
1: but then you became a yeah. home group member there
0: yeah but you guys were, were you guys just just were looking for a different experience when you guys decided to start that or what
2: yeah well it it was uh it was kind of spearheaded more by uh our two mutual friends and uh then i think me and you kind of bought into it and and it was mostly motivated out of um I guess it was our our uh, viewpoint of uh, something that was missing that we were not getting from our specific location uh, to put it to put it nicely
0: yeah that's a good way to put it Um, and so like I talked a little bit in my mind about like what went wrong like how could a fellow go through the work and have this experience and then wind up uh, you know out on his ass you know using and drinking again and maybe you could take us a little bit through that. So you get the sponsor, you guys go through the work very quickly. You have this, you know, spiritual experience that gets talked about. And like, I, I see this happen a lot where we live, people get well, and then they tend to leave. (laughs) I think that, you know, they're like, there's no, I don't have to stay here anymore. But so like you, you know, you moved, you moved away. And like, that's sort of why I lost track of what happened to you. Um, So what, like what, maybe could you talk, tell us what happened after that? How did you wind up, um, back here? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, It's weird. Like a lot of times I think, um, especially coming back, uh, and then relating my experience in meetings, um, trying to convey it's kind of a, it's kind of a hard situation for me to talk about, Hey, this thing really works. And like, I had it work really good at one time, and then here I am in a treatment center shaking, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, how do I convince these people that this thing really works when it obviously didn't work for me? Yeah. And unless you can really explain that experience to somebody, I mean, it's hard to explain that the experience to somebody who doesn't understand maybe the full extent of a 12-step program. Um, and so, yeah, I had this this um, amazing, incredible, um, very rapid uh, spiritual experience that completely changed my life, and like we were talking about. You know, I, the calm guy you're talking about was not the guy that walked in, uh, you know, 30 to 60, I don't know how many, I don't remember how long ago, but... Uh, that was not the guy that walked into those meetings uh, and walked into the program. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I had the experience and then I kind of m- morphed into an elitist. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's a good word. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. I think we all have. I think
1: of all of us have experience doing that at one point <laughs> fundamentalist, elitist.
2: Yeah. 12
0: step snob. Right. All around asshole. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just
2: check, a check, <laughs> check. <laughs> highly judgmental, spiritual giant. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's like, this is the similarity between your stories and mine. It's just like, um, you know, I remember one time this girl I knew in the program had, t- had t- sent me a text about this particular meeting because, you know, I didn't much care for it, but I was already out at that point, And I was like, yeah, well, my perspective on what a quality meeting was went out the window when I got hammered. So. <laughs> I can't really comment on that anymore, right? The guy that thinks everybody is doing it wrong until I'm the one, you That's know, strong. strung out and drunk yeah. again. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, definitely. I mean, I don't, definitely one of the areas that I, I went the wrong way, I guess you could say. Um, but I, I was still, I, I was being this really judgmental guy, but I was still participating uh, with what I perceived as the best way to do things. Um, and, th- and like you kind of talked about, um, I, got, I got well, and then it was like, okay, well, time to leave this location and move to another one, and, and that's what I did, um, but still remained um, active and uh, got a new sponsor, and I guess somewhere along the line... I mean, I, 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 can't, I can pick out like a, a train of things that lasted maybe a year long that all contributed to, um, my departure from the fellowship and the program. Um, I think it was a combination of all of them. Um, uh, not just one specific thing, but, um, I think really the, the elitist attitude that I had restricted me in a lot of ways and it, it, I placed myself in only specific places I was only interested in hearing a specific thing Um, and then I was talking about things I wasn't doing and then I started to feel like a fake and then some some circumstances happened in my life uh, outside of the program (coughs) and I think that I had just set myself up um, to be disconnected really with god when these things happened in my life and so i was not equipped to handle them and they slowly pushed me out the door yeah
0: i just i sort of had a same similar circumstance to like the problem wasn't um the day that the thing actually happened right like you know i obviously i'm an opiate addict and um you know i told my story and I, I got hurt i got legitimately hurt and i went and saw a doctor and and um and i got a prescription but it wasn't that thing. It was my spiritual condition prior to receiving that that was the problem. Like it wasn't that. Pr- it wasn't. It wasn't any doctor's fault. It wasn't. It was nobody's fault but mine. Right. I'm the one who was not spiritually fit based on my own inaction. Yeah. And then that thing happens, and then that moment culminates, and then it's too late by then. Yeah.
1: And so you were out again eventually. How how long did that last? Um,
2: somewhere around two years, give or take. Two years, and
1: how much worse did things get?
2: Oh, I, exponentially worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, honestly, from from the day that I that that curious mental blank spot and that one thought popped into my head, uh, and that that first drink, um, I mean. <laughs> It it was a misery from the first time, you know, I was like, I'm going to have a couple and it turned into, uh, you know, 18 or something. Mm-hmm. And then I was walking down to Colfax looking for whatever drugs I could find, you know, it was an instant misery that, that just, and, and by that time, you know, it was the, uh, obsession phenomenon craving was too, I mean, I, it was like, I wanted to stop from the first time, and I just, I was like, I, I had to, it was a um, necessity for me to get along on a daily basis from the very beginning.
0: For a couple more years, right? You wanted to stop from the get, and wound up a couple more years into it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it got to the point where I, I would, I would walk through the back alleys to the liquor store because I didn't want somebody to see me crying walking to the liquor store, like, mm. um, spending. All the money that I had saved up, I mean all of the all of the stuff that we do, along with the complete you know uh, bitter or I, wait, I can't think of the exact term, but the, the complete pain and misery that follows along with it and mm-hmm. and it it came to a to a crashing halt and uh, I went to a treatment center um, uh, spin dry. 28 30 day and uh, my focus was elsewhere uh, w- there and I thought I could solve solve it with outside conditions material objects and women and this and that and then I only lasted maybe three four months after that and and then another year of misery so
1: and then how did you get back up here because that's it you know I look in yours when you spoke a couple weeks ago it was kind of like oh yeah there was like a Quite an ordeal that ended, someone kicking in your door or something, essentially yeah. to get you back up here. How did that all transpire?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I pretty much given up. Like, I'd, I was just like, all right, this is going to be what it's like forever, and I don't want to do this anymore. So it was uh, uh, pretty much the end for me, and and I was locked up in my apartment um, seeking an end, and and uh, all the all of a sudden I. I had my I had uh, loud bangs like cop knocks on my front door, and somebody was in my hallway screaming and yelling at me, "Open the open the effing door, or else I'm gonna kick it down!" <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I crawled to the door and finally opened it, and and uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Brent, he he uh, dragged me down in the car and drove me here to my mom's.
0: Did he know? Um Anything about like the illness that you suffered from or did you know him like how I'm just curious like what would make him do that? Did he know anything about it or you guys just mutual friends through something else or work or like how did he, how did he, have you ever asked him how he got to that point where he realizes he needs to go kick down your door and pull you
2: out? He's been a friend of mine for some time. He's seen me through all of them, some of the worst and- uh, actually my, my mom called him cause my work was, cause I just, I literally just turned off my phone, locked my door, <laughs> didn't go to work, nothing, didn't call anybody. So, um, they started looking for me and, uh, called my mom and he, she called him and, and he galloped over to the rescue. So,
0: oh, so then, um. So then he brings you back to here to our town and drops you off at your mom's house. And then did she, cause like when I stumbled across you, you were already in that, uh, our, our local treatment center. Um, but like what just she dropped, he dropped you off at your mom's house and then she took you there kind of a thing or just trying to take care of you a little bit.
2: Yep. She took me to detox. Yeah.
1: Well, and the first, the first time I met you was in that treatment center, um, because I was going there somewhat regularly. And uh, I had no idea who you were, but I remember you talking about self-knowledge availing you nothing. And I remember immediately being like, I fucking dig this, dude, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, oh, all right, this guy knows what he's like. Cool, man. Like, And you were, I think you would probably been there maybe a week or two. I don't know at that point. But I remember that very vividly. And then a couple of days later, Aaron was like, hey, dude, uh, I want to go to that that treatment center next week um a buddy of mine is in there and then i was like oh cool and i had no idea and then i went with him and then he was like this and i was like oh shit you know and like (laughs) it connected the dots and then i found out who you were and that you you had worked with my old sponsor as well and but i remember you talking vividly about like self-knowledge avails you nothing um and just feeling moved. You know what I mean? When you talk to someone and you just go, this guy is defeated and now he's got a chance. Like, that's that's what I thought when I met you. So um, what happened after that? You know, after you get, get into treatment and stuff, like self-knowledge avails you nothing. Now what do you do?
2: Yeah, yeah. that That's a point that was really hammered in <laughs> over the years, right? Like yeah. the elitist... You know quoting things out of the book and hey do it this way or or else type mm-hmm. of an attitude Um obviously did did not did not work right it's it's a spiritual program so I have to enlarge my spiritual heart and being an elitist is, has nothing to do with being spiritual in my opinion mm-hmm. so I mean I, I well I wallowed around in self-pity <laughs> and for a while, and I, uh, uh, I've I've had this feeling like uh, I the the people that came to my rescue uh, yet again, you know, like I didn't deserve it, and like I was in a bad spot, right, and and uh, I didn't want to be there, and and I had I was still in this given up phase, um, and then God, what happened exactly? You know, I don't I don't know what specific instant kind of swayed my thinking um i think it was probably a combination of things but I, one person at, at one point i do know that somebody because i used to walk around and say I, i'm in the wrong place i i shouldn't be here like i better than right like i'm better than this place and and who are these people and oh man everybody's so you know just f- Annoyed and restless and irritable and discontent completely and and so finally one day somebody said to me, "Well, why are you here then?" You know, and uh, I I said, "Well, um, I don't know. I guess <laughs> to get sober." And the, and she was like, "No, why don't you figure out why you're here?" And 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 so I I. I grabbed that and ran with it and I started to, um, journal actually, um, uh, every, every night I started to kind of write down what I was thinking and, and that morphed into, um, uh, an 11 step practice. Uh, and that's when kind of God came into the equation. Um, and really what I came up with and what I found out, right. Cause I had all this knowledge about the program. I was, hesitant to reveal that to people um because i didn't want to be mr know-it-all a and b because i didn't want to like we i was talking about earlier like hey if you know how to do all this then why the hell are you here type of a thing um and so i didn't have a place for that knowledge like it, it had no place at that moment for me and when i realized that that knowledge actually gave me a one up on helping the people around me and of being of service and, um, conveying a message. Um, that's when things really started to turn around is when, when I, when I, instead of being annoyed and mad with everybody around me, I decided to, um, move past that and start helping the people around me. Mm
0: -hmm. So at that point, um, you start helping other men in the treatment center. Were you working with somebody also at that point, or is that is it like helping them? What sort of drove you to like, okay, now I've got to get through the work, kind of thing? Like, how did it go?
2: Yeah, I knew I, I knew I had to get uh, a sponsor, which was kind of a difficult task at first there, because um, you're you know fully relying on people to come in because I could not get out. Um, and so I, I kind of started helping people in what capacity I could at the time. Um, and then one night, um, and it was funny because I, I had been really praying about it, like in my 11-step practice that I had started uh, to, you know, please put a sponsor in, in my life. Like, please put somebody here so that I can start getting there, because I knew that Okay, you know, like I'm past this giving up phase. So if I'm gonna do this, I, I've gotta get into the work. Like um and so I was praying about praying about it. That night, uh somebody walked in, uh, came came to the uh meeting there at, at that night and somebody that doesn't go on a regular basis really and and so I was like, Well, okay, here's the guy and um uh, then that, then I start, I went through the steps pretty quickly again, this
1: phase too. Mm-hmm. And then, um, <clears throat> like right now, it's kind of cool to see because um, I I always joke about this, but the, honestly, there's some sincerity in it. Is, uh, I, w- I was going to that meeting pretty regularly, and then I went a few times, and there was like four or five outside people and you. That were there and i was like sweet man like here's my chance to start doing something else on monday nights for a little while and um so i hadn't been back in a few months and i just went back on monday to the treatment center again for the meeting and uh it's like a wholly totally different fucking place it's like not even the same place i remember so and it's cool to see i mean you're you're basically i mean you're probably air noise jokes you're probably sponsoring like half the people in there right now and you're doing a bunch of work in there again um how did that come about just by being there and sharing your experience or what happened?
2: Yeah, I did that. That was all me. Um, (laughs) completely responsible for saving that place.
0: (laughs) But it's funny if there wasn't some like previous experience like with that, it's, you know, like that's sort of what makes it funny is that's almost, you talk about that elitist and that arrogance, like that's sort of, uh, Like we had set out at at one time, or at least I had to round up a band of uh, minions and change the way shit is done around here. And like that, that I had the power to do that.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. I had to be, I, I, I had to really be, I have to still be really careful about that. Um, because in my head I I really want to take credit for what's happened around there. Um, it's a completely different place than it was when I got there. Um, but it—it's not me. It was—it wasn't me. Um, It's—you know—I—I—I I, I shared my experience. I shared what I know to be true, um, and nothing else, right? I—I I wasn't talking about things that I—I I heard that sounded good. I was instead this time I was actually talking about things that I was doing uh, mm-hmm. with a honest motive to try to help those people around me and. And really, what's blossomed for the, from that is that um, now it's not just me doing that, right? People have taken things from me, and and also from other people, and I, I, you know they've been motivated to try this out. I think, and and they've gotten sponsors of their own, and they're sharing their experiences now, and it's it's kind of caught on like wildfire. So, you know, I I can't. I can't take credit for that, um, but I really like to look at that and think about like how um, cool it is that I've been able to be a channel for God in that capacity, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think that's um, huge. I remember, I don't know when it happened, but going from talking about shit to just doing it and then sharing the shit that I've done how much of a difference that makes. Cause I remember bitching about not having any sponsors and all of this stuff. And I wasn't really doing anything. I was just, I had a bunch of knowledge about what to do. And then being able to finally start doing stuff and then see the, that's the attraction. You know what I mean? Like all you're doing is doing doing the program and it's appealing and attractive. So people are drawn to that as opposed to preaching the program or whatever. And that, that was my experience, too, is that that switch from, oh, I know all of this shit to, oh, I do a lot of this shit. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I, I, I actually, I can remember leaving meetings where I had, I had shared in the meeting and just feeling horrible, mm. <laughs> like a total ass, you know, because I, I'm, I'm telling these people all these things that I've heard, speaker tapes, you know, I've, I'm pulling it from this where, here and there. I'm quoting pieces of the book. I'm talking about how important 10 and 11 are um, because, you know, I want to sound good in front of these people. Like I want to sound like I know what I'm doing and that I'm Mr. Elitist. Right. And, (laughs) and then I would leave and just, I'd be sitting in my car and just feel like a total phony, you know, Um, which was actually, actually very detrimental. Like when, because re- what results is that from that is, is i I relate that in my head to well, like why am I going here? I just feel worse after I leave and and not putting it together in my head that i 'm doing it to myself, kind of like everything else, right um, and so it pushes me out the door yeah, um,
0: just again, so many similarities in our stories and like um. I think about that and, and I did the exact same thing that you were talking about. And, um, I think, I think I heard you say it maybe in a meeting or maybe when you spoke, but like, um, uh, the question about, you know, having had such a similar experience, like the thing, the question that I would ask myself sometimes is what, what, what is different this time, right? What is different this time? It looks, you know, from the outside, a lot the same. And, um, like, I know that the last time that like, I know that the answer this time has to do um, with God and that being the center focal point of my life. And that like the last time around, um, it was like Aaron, Aaron doing the steps so that Aaron can look good, doing the steps and talk about the steps. And it wasn't about having a relationship with anything or growth or any of those things. It was about me looking good inside the rooms and that's all it was um one thing that was suggested is um my wife brought up that sometimes the people that may may listen to this our family and friends may not be familiar with what what the steps are and we're always talking about 10 and now we're talking about 11 but just like if you if you've never been to a 12-step program and we're talking about 10 and 11 um 11 talks about prayer and meditation and the way our literature lays it out as a morning routine and an evening routine and then the tenth step is a, a a continued inventory and it's with the spot check inventory when we experience resentment and fear and dishonesty and with self-pity that you know we do we go through a process when when, when, the, when we experience those things so if you're listening and you've never you know don't have any idea what the 12-step meetings are when we're talking about the 10 step and the 11 step, we're talking about you know just some some self-check inventories and some some morning routines and some evening routines. Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> um what is uh, what's your life look like today? Like, you know, I believe you're employed with the same company, still correct?
2: Uh, yeah, um, I've been lucky. I've been very lucky in that, in that capacity.
1: And did they, like for me, when I, I, uh, when I got sober, I, I was given a leave of absence from my company. Is that kind of the same thing that happened to you or?
2: Yep. I've had two of them yeah. in the past couple of years. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and, um, you're, uh, you're like right now you're out of the treatment center and living with other People that are trying to remain sober still, though, correct? Yep,
2: pretty much yep. sober living mm-hmm. situation. What I was going to ask
0: you about was what was your, because um, by the time I got to know you, you were doing an apprenticeship for this trade that you learned how to do. And I sort of wanted to ask you, like, did you just jump prior to getting sober then? Would you just have jobs and like now you have a career type of thing? Is that what it's going on or?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Actually, that's been that's been a really big piece, um, because I, you know, I I I tell myself I've always told myself the lie, right? Um, that I'm I never went to college. I'm just a um, addict without a college degree that you know will never amount to anything. But going from uh, this job to that job to this job, you know, like I always felt like I would never. I was never good enough I guess to have an actual career and um, as a result of you know going through the work and getting into it and doing it fast and and um, having this amazing spiritual experience and actually you know for for some time following what I what I perceived God was telling me to do and where he wanted me to go uh, I landed in uh, the my current job um, I just some guy at the gym one day was said hey you want to be a, a fire sprinkler fitter and i said okay um, and that's kind of how it happened and hmm. and and so I took a lot of pride in that job from the beginning because it felt like something that was more than just a, a random job and managed to actually um, do very well at it. And, uh, the funny thing is, is, is that job also gave me, um, quite a bit of an ego issues. I think that dealt, that had a lot to do with, um, kind of my downfall, so to speak, um, towards the end. And then, uh, towards the end of my last sobriety, I mean, and then while I was, um, back in active addiction, um, my job actually became my identity. And, and it was like the only thing, it was like the last thread that I was hanging on to. And I was hanging on to it with like a death grip. It was like, um, I guess, like my parents came to me the the first time I went to treatment and they were like, you have to do something about this. You have to go to treatment. And the only thing that I was worried about, like I was about to die, you know, I was like, I was miserable and I I was ready to die. And I was worried about losing my job. And I remember uh, distinctly like telling them about that. And my, my dad looked at me with this crazy look on his face and he was like, there are other jobs, Ryan. <laughs> you know, and that thought had never even occurred to me. Um and so it's been interesting um, having a career, not thinking I deserve to have a career, having that be the only thing I'm alive for, um, and now trying to figure out how to be a good employee and not completely identify myself by what
1: I'm doing for a living. Yeah, that was that's huge for me. I um I have a similar experience with that, and then today I'm able and I've never been able to do this before, but over the last year or so, I have like proper perspective of my job, my career. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know where I learned that from. I think just understanding the depth and weight of my life and what's what's valuable and what's not valuable. And cause I mean, I love my job and I work for a, my my whole family works for this job. So, you know, I have like a lot of reasons to be attached to it and I'm able to, for the first time, leave that shit, like, at work, and I used to always hear people do that, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, (laughs) like, that's the only thing I have, you know, and now it's just like, oh, yeah, like, shit's falling apart at work, what else is new, like, cool, man, I'm gonna go (laughs) enjoy my night, I'm gonna enjoy hanging out with Megan, like, I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna participate in my recovery life, like, and be able to balance those things to the best of my ability, um, which is, I mean, it's so foreign still to think like that, but I just... I notice things happen and I don't have the same reaction to life anymore, especially around my work life, which is profound for me, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So
0: one thing that I struggle with is, um, I guess, I guess, I don't know, maybe I was just going to make up a question because I didn't have one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's good honesty. Yeah, thanks. I was going to ask, if you don't have one, I do have one. I was going to (laughs) ask... So I had a, I re-went through the work when I was, I don't know, like almost two years sober. And um, similar to to your guys' experience, I had basically placed myself in a position where I didn't really want to be a part of the fellowship that I was in anymore um, because I thought everyone was doing it wrong. And what what I had a profound, I had a new spiritual experience as I re-went through the work and wrote inventory. I... I identified how much I manifest still in my recovery life. Uh, did any of that come out on inventory when you, when you just wrote inventory again at all? Was any of that there? Like, did you, I'm just curious.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, I did have some things in there about how I acted before and, and my, uh, my 12 step elitism, uh, and how I manifested through that. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a pretty pretty much about all we went through. That I mean, that was really that that in in recovery in in the fellowship. That was that was how I manifested in my. I mean, that held me back from even participating in the program in, in the correct way. I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Go for it. What were you gonna say? Nope, got nothing. Shoot.
0: I just was gonna say like the thing the thing that I. That is the truth for me is sometimes uh, there's just that tiny little piece of me that because I've been here before, because I've been sober, this, you know, because I've done all of these things before, there's that little tiny piece of me that feels like a fraud a little bit. Like the things that I'm saying, the things that I'm doing feel a little bit fraudulent because, uh, and, you know, and that's just, that's just, that's just a little flare up of ego. But I was wondering if you, you know, like, um, I think that, you know, I, I know that I'm not the same person that I was the last time, um, but that, that's still there. And I was just wondering if you ever experienced that.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, like sitting around talking to people and then looking at their facial expressions thinking, Oh God, he's judging me right now. He's like, this guy. He comes back in here and wants to talk like he knows everything about recovery. I mean, I I do it all the time. I do it with everything. I'm I'm always thinking that people are thinking a certain thing. Um, I do it at work all the time. Um, but yeah, I I not as much as I did at first, uh, but I still experience that.
1: We're about 45 minutes in. Do you have other questions you want to fire off? That was fast. 45. It goes by quick, dude. It's like a time warp. It is. Aaron and I sat down yesterday and knocked one out. And literally an hour went by, and I was like, holy shit, what happened?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. You've had a chance, because you're through the work now. You've been around back a minute now. You've had a chance to... Go um, try and straighten out some of those relationships that because I know like you know another one of our mutual friends or one we may have referenced and you've had a chance to patch that up, but you've had you've gone through and and done what you can to patch up those relationships. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, (laughs) It's funny. There's there was instances in relationships that I perceived as um, the reasons why people were mad at me. Um, right. For, for for instance, um, one of our one of our mutual friends <laughs> that we will not name because she will be here later. Um, she, I had I had basically been the shittiest friend like on the face of the planet for the past year and a half, two years. I had I, been insanely selfish, insanely dishonest completely full of fear in this relationship. Um, and, and uh, I mean, I don't even know how she still... I mean, she asked me to watch her cats while she was out of town, right? And this this is the guy she's asking to do this. And um, I won't get into it too much, but um, it turned out that uh, I could not locate the key to get into her house. And just kind of called up and said... I can't get into your apartment, sorry, you know. Um, and so, and she was mad about that, right? But also mad about all this other stuff and the way that I had been the shittiest friend on the face of the planet. And in my head, it was the cats, right? It was the cats. And and I don't know why she's so mad about these cats and why I did, I did everything I could, you know, that type of attitude and, and, and couldn't even see, like, when I sat down, uh, to talk about that, it was like, dude, this isn't about the damn cats. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so I was about, I was, I was able to go to that person, um, with the full realization of my part in that relationship for the, for the extent, instead of just one little circumstance. Um, and realize that you i mean yeah i mean i it was it was me it was not the other person and and that amends was really cool um it's funny to to find out like who your fam like family is um and what that relationship really means when it's not clouded with all that um what is it, fan- with all that fancied stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: The other thing I wanted to ask you about is, uh, so what happened to me, because I had been through the deal and done the deal, is um, I had made amends to people, and then I'd gone back out, and then I had caused more damage, and then I had to go remake amends to those people. And uh, it wasn't, uh, it, was, it was not enjoyable. I guess, and like the specific examples I'm thinking about my in-laws and uh, had made amends to them and done that and, and and done, you know, the stuff that they'd asked me to do and then uh, gone back out and then caused them, you know, all the, you know, I have to worry about their daughter and her well-being and all those things. And then I had to go back there. And it's hard to say a lot on that second amendment, and I think a lot of it was, I don't know what the hell I can even say at this point, other than that I'm at this step now, and I have to do something to come and try and repair this damage that I've done. And it was mostly me listening, I was doing a lot of listening while they did all of the talking, and that's what it had to be, but I'm wondering about that, like... It's just, you want to talk about being humble and go to the people that you've already made amends to and try and say something that, you know, try and repair that damage again. Did you have to do that?
2: Ye- oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, those are d- very difficult. Uh, and, yeah, it's like, I, I mean, what, what can I say that's different? Um, I found that one of the things uh, that really helped during those amends um is because they were i mean now they're really interested in in knowing what it's like to be us um i found that the people i went back to again uh and and were, were very uh way more sympathetic than i would have imagined and also it was a pretty cool opportunity to kind of explain um what I know to be to what this is, you know, like, um, instead of just simply making the amends like the last time, um, you know, saying the stuff that I did and, and it's cause I'm selfish and, and dishonest and all this. This time it was, it was more of kind of like a, uh, opportunity to teach kind of like what goes on with me, um, and I think a lot of them, through talking to me, like they they're starting to realize like how difficult this thing is for us, you know how how it's just I mean it's hard to explain to somebody, but when somebody's been in it with you for for this long, it, it's I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it was a pretty cool
1: experience uh, with a few of those amends. Yeah, I remember um, my family kind of having that illuminated a little bit more because, you know, my dad told me he just thought I was weak. You know, like, that was his exact words is, like, you're just weak. You know, you can't – you just can't – if you just tried harder, you'd be able to do it. And then for them to get some understanding of, like, what powerless means and then – you know what I mean? Like, it's just they have a completely different perspective on it today. And I I know – in their lives interacting with other people like us they have a new perspective on that which is kind of cool to see where that guy used to just be a fuck up and if he could just do it better now you know there's a different perspective like my dad's a a pretty big boss at at a pretty large company and he has a new perspective towards employees that have the same struggles that i've had you know because of that because he has a better understanding and stuff and that's cool to uh Like, I mean, I don't really get to take credit for any of that. I'm just, I'm just a drunk, you know, (laughs) but like, it's cool for them to see that and to have that experience. And during my amends process, a lot of that stuff is like, not what I'm going to say anymore. It's expressed through my action now and being a different person. And then them seeing the power of of the program working and knowing that it it can work, you, you know,
2: yeah. T- it totally has a ripple effect. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like, like my mom, for instance, is, is trying to help her friends that are having the same issues with, uh, their children or friends or, or, or husbands or wives. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, I've, I've seen it, uh, a change in, in my dad as well. Like he, he used to be pretty rigid and, uh, towards, um, this, this type of thing and towards addicts and, and um now he's he's taken a different approach, and he's 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 starting to understand what it's like and and starting to uh want to lend a helping hand more than just turn away from it and and that's really cool to see absolutely yep,
0: the other thing I want to ask you about is like so you clearly work out and lift weights um is that your like you know, I think that my last time around, I right, know my last time around, I got I got just way too deep and involved in just doing 12-step stuff seven days a week nonstop, and it didn't leave room in my life for anything else, and um, that's my bad. Um, but this time around, I get to enjoy a lot of other shit, a lot of other things that I get because of this life. Like, is that is that your jam, lifting weights, what, like your thing, or you do other things? Tell us about tell us about yourself, Ryan.
1: <laughs> well, I'm a Sagittarius. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing I noticed is you kind of have... Um, I don't want to use the word systematically because that sounds like you have a plan again, but <laughs> I've noticed you've gone from like you're fully into the work and the program to now you have a life, and so now you've kind of dialed back some of... You know, like, and I think everybody that's been through the work kind of eventually gets to that point where it's like, I can dial back some of this stuff because I have a life to live today. And I, I've noticed that with you recently, like just off of some of the things you've said of like, oh yeah, like I cut that out. Cause I, on Fridays I do this now or whatever, you know, like share some of that.
2: Yeah. I, this is a, an area I really have to be careful with. Um, because I have to maintain that balance. Like my experience before is that I can dial back too much and push myself out, but I can also do way too much and push myself out. Um, I can I can take activities outside the problem or outside the program and turn them into a problem. In, in other words, like the the way that I operate is that I find something that I like to do and then I overdo it.
1: <laughs> and we were just talking about our inability to moderate yeah. yesterday. Aaron and I, were. I
0: have no idea what you're talking about, Ryan.
2: <laughs> yeah. At the same time, I, if I have something I, I don't particularly am not super interested in, then it's really hard for me to find motivation to do it. And so, like, it's this juggling act of maintaining the mo- motivation to do the work on a daily basis um, and not let the uh, the outside things, like going to the gym uh, or playing video games or um, anything out, you know, material objects, uh, money. Um, the challenge for me is to not let those things take over and demotivate me from doing the work on a daily basis. And, and in, and in essence, like those things can be good and beneficial to me, but they can also disconnect me from God. And if, if I don't keep on top of it um, it's like it happens and I don't even realize it, you know, I start to obsess over things. And so the gym can come from a place of, Health and fitness, and it can also come from a place of um, ego and um, objectivity, right? And, and I can go into the gym and be less than and better than in an instant, right? When I look around the room, so I gotta be really careful with that stuff.
1: Yeah, um, Amy was talking about this when we did her podcast. Um, like if it feels right, she trusts that today. And for me, that's kind of where I am, too, is like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym today. I, I just don't go to the gym, and I don't put, like, this tremendous amount of fucking decision making into, you know what I mean? I don't burn up energy foolishly doing that shit anymore, or like, oh, I want to play video games, or I'm going to go do the, go to a meeting on Friday. Like, to me, it, and we were referencing it as flow, and I call one of your million nicknames is Flowey McFlows a lot. Uh, but I I do that today where I just am like, I trust that intuitive thought again because going through the work, I'm able to do that again. Is, is that where your decision-making comes from now or are you still?
2: Uh, I'm working on that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to put you on this, but I was no, just curious because I... like that's been my experience is, as I continue to stay sober and continue to stay in the work and you know working with a power greater than me those decisions just come naturally and then as i practice following through on those thoughts it reinforces the idea that these are that i can do that i don't know if i don't know if i'm explaining that right but for me that's been my experience i get it yeah (laughs) i get it yeah I go to the gym because it has a lot of mirrors. Well, and you wanna you wanna look good with the
0: top popped off, dude. Yeah, that's right. I like to have a gander at myself. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it prevents me from getting other things. I get lost. I get memorized, mesmerized. You do a
1: lot of walking around. <laughs> I mean, that's right. Yeah.
0: So uh, awesome. If you
1: see me at the gym, you can find me looking at me. Yep. Yep. Uh, is there anything else you want to hit on, Ryan? Anything else you got? Anything else you want to discuss?
2: No, I, I was just
1: here to get grilled by you, you two professionals. Yeah. Well, we've got a professional setup now. I this is amazing. We sunk quite a bit of money. Not a lot, but a good amount of money into this thing. So
2: Well, it, it's actually a time machine too. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like Welcome. We were, time- we're an hour in again. We're I one mean, hour in right now. Holy cow. I mean- yeah. so awesome. All right. Well, uh, you as we plugged a couple of times yesterday, you can uh contact us at recovered AF Podcast at gmail.com still looking for that first email <laughs> and Aaron said he is going to uh give someone a gift. I don't know what that is. It might be a selfie or something. I don't know.
0: And uh, a whole lot of nothing. Huh? Nothing. Uh, uh, nothing. Oh. <laughs> <None. laughs> no. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh well thanks Ryan for being a part of this man. I appreciate it. Thank you.